knowing God's will. So that's what we're talking about. I will give a, a brief uh, summary of what we what we covered last week. Um, but let me just give you some some more examples. And I, I said I mentioned last time that I mean I hear a lot of things doing counseling. You hear a lot of stories, and um, um, so a young woman you know, has has these two rocks in her purse. And she's a believer, uh, really cool young lady uh, in terms of her faith. And she said, you know, sometimes when I have a question or, you know, I have something, a decision to make, I'll just reach into my purse and I'll pull out a rock. And whichever rock it is, you know, that that tells me what I should do. And uh, so I see some of your faces. Yeah. So, uh, uh, it, but she asked me about it. So like, what do you, what do you think? Is that a good idea? And, and we, and we talked about it. Uh, and I'll, I'll refer that to that next week uh, when we talk about wisdom. And in the end, the, the answer to this, to all these questions is going to be wisdom using wisdom, but recent story. Uh, <clears throat> there's this one guy who uh, you know, I see often and <clears throat> Big faith, I think has you know, he has more faith than I do, and uh, and and talks about every year at the beginning of the year or the the uh, end of the previous year receiving a verse from God that uh, that he knows this has happened so many years for him that he knows is will will uh, be important for him that year, uh, and uh, and if it's getting into January and hasn't really had that sense that God has given him this verse. He's, he's wondering what's going on. Um, but, but God is faithful and um, um, a verse shows up in, in some fashion in a sermon or daily bread or in Bible reading. And this is the verse he has gotten from God uh, that year. And it, and it helps with uh, just understanding what should I be doing? Uh, what kind of choices should I be making? Uh, <clears throat> There's a, a woman in our church who, who, who can't attend in person anymore. She has to just, uh, because of her poor health and particularly pulmonary issues. Um, uh, but at one point uh, she was in the hospital and uh, you know, around Christmas time and she's, she's watching uh, a Christmas special and, uh, and there's uh, a woman singing um, it's a Christian program. The, the, the sound goes down and she hears a voice, Rosalie, what do you want? And she says, I, I want to live. And then the, 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 um, and the sound comes back up um, and, and uh, just sort of continues like that. And then within a day or two, she reads, uh, she's reading Isaiah, and she reads this verse, uh, Isaiah 43, 1, the, the second half of it. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. The voice called her by name and gave her comfort and, and, and it has given her joy. This happened a few years ago, and it's just giving her continued joy in her life. That was a, that was a nice experience, right? And in each of these cases, the, uh, the person sees themselves as getting guidance from God in, in some of these kind of miraculous ways. Uh, it's nice. I don't argue with it. I have no reason to argue with it. 
but maybe some other examples that are a little more intense. Um, in, the, in the 90s, uh, this guy isn't alive anymore. I don't know if that means anything. But in the 90s, there was uh, a, a prophet and a pretty well-known uh, say modern prophet who predicted that Donald Trump would be elected president and serve two terms. Now, Donald Trump was predicting he was going to be president in the 90s. So it's not, it's not that unusual, but this idea of two terms. Right? And of course, you know, over the last several years, these, the videos are, are played much more often when he was, was in office. <clears throat> uh, Donald Trump lost the, the second uh, election, but, but he's still alive and he's still active. So what, what does this mean? What does it mean if he, if he is elected again as president? Uh, what does it mean if he isn't? Okay. What does that mean? How, and how do we take these things? Um, <clears throat> God told me that I should stop my ministry and focus more on myself. God told me <clears throat> that I would marry her the first time I saw her. Uh, and it didn't happen. I prayed about it <clears throat> and got a call that day. And so I took that job. I know what the Bible says, but God is doing something radical in me. I, I told this story last time. I'm going to marry him. He's not a believer. I know what the Bible verses say, but God, I have peace and God is doing something radical in me. And has told me it, I, I could marry this, this man. Though he's a gifted speaker, and a young man and just, um, even though a young man had great things to say, uh, he, beca- he be- became very anxious in preparing and speaking, which is a familiar you know, feeling for old men too, uh, and concluded that God didn't want him to speak because he would feel anxious. The Holy Spirit led us to make that purchase, even though we didn't have the money to build our home on that property. And it remains the case. And the family has actually gone through some very uh, severe financial reversals, and they really could have used that money they spent on that property. God told me that I should quit my Sunday school commitment. So, um, I, I mean, I don't judge these things. I, I don't know what God has told you, but some of these things make me think or and make me wonder. And especially when I know that the God, that you, it contradicts the Bible and it can't be that God told you to marry him. It can't be at least that that's how I understand, uh, the Bible and, and how to make, and how to make decisions and how to understand God's will. So last time uh, we noted a number of things uh, because we're, we're trying to understand how to know God's will and throughout scripture, the old Testament, the new Testament, there are a lot of examples where God revealed his will to people. And in in fact, uh, in scripture, it says that God built the universe in part to communicate signs. Genesis 1 and and Psalm 19, we see a lot of examples of where angels and uh, and, uh, 
spoke directly to people that God spoke directly uh, to people uh, through inspiring them to write scripture. There were dreams and visions and uh, Old Testament and New Testament. And and the emphasis I put, uh, because I think it, um, I guess I was going to say, I think it's most relevant to us, but but uh, maybe just because we're kind of conservative in our theology, uh, signs or or circumstances, I call them circumstantial signs, where, where God provided signs. He offered signs uh, to Ahaz in the book of Isaiah. He would, and he was gracious with people, even if we're not sure that's what should have been done. He was gracious to Gideon, uh, even if maybe we're not sure that uh, maybe he should have done that. It didn't matter. God was gracious and, and gave signs when they were requested. Um, <clears throat> there are miracles that affirm God's presence and, and particularly his message. And uh, this, was, this is true of Jesus, that these signs were performed that you may believe. John says at the end of his gospel and just all of the major characters in the old Testament and the new Testament. Um, we see uh, God communicating with them in, in a variety of ways. Right? Okay. So of course the question I will ask when I'm reading this history is, is, is this something that I can use also to help me understand the will of God for my life? And, and we made the point and we'll make it more next week is that there's a lot in scripture that says this is the will of God for you to be thankful and to be, uh, to, to avoid sexual immorality and, and dozens and dozens of, of thoughts there that this is the will of God for me and that this pleases God and this, this pleases God. And I will occupy my life, uh, trying to understand that better to help guide me. But there's a lot, there's a lot of decisions I have to make that, um, you know, where the Bible doesn't speak directly to it. So how can I know what God's will is for me? And can, can some of this help me? Okay. But here's what we're going to talk about today. <clears throat> There's, I think, a dilemma. That on the one hand, we have this encouragement from Scripture, what we just reviewed. And, and I also know that God can govern the circumstances of my life. He, he can certainly intervene in the world and set things up so that uh, a door opens. Uh, Paul uses that, that phrase, a door opened uh, for me. And um, so I, I know this can happen. I've seen it happen uh, in scripture and I know he can do it. Okay? So on the one hand, that's true. On the other hand, I also know this, that in scripture, we're, we're warned of abusing signs and of, of becoming dependent upon them. So that if, if I had a purse and a couple of rocks, I could go through my day and just keep putting rocks, pulling rocks out, putting the rock back in. I mean, that, that would be, that'd be easy, right? Uh, why not? Why, why not, right? Um, except that, except we, we know why not. It's... Um, <clears throat> So we could become dependent upon these things that, you know, looking for signs and, and God doesn't want that. I also know that from scripture and also understanding, uh, studying psychology a little bit, that, that, um, that biases uh, can, can uh, lead to misinterpretation 
of signs and circumstances and also misinterpretation of God's word, right? So on the one hand and on the other hand, and so, um, I don't know, I, I guess I worry about these things, and especially, uh, and I know you've heard these stories like I've heard stories, when I see that uh, people say things that I think that's, that, that might be a little crazy, I, I wonder, do I act crazy? Do I think crazy? And some of the things I'm confident about, should I not be confident about? Do I misinterpret? Do I abuse? Right. So that worries me. And, and there are extreme cases <clears throat> where um, we, we know people and their minds have, are really not functioning well anymore. And they think something and they really believe it, but you know there's a mental illness or or something, and they, they believe something that, that we know is not true. And, uh, I mean, it can be an extreme case and needs medical attention, um, or there are smaller cases. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm just, it's my biases. So let me just talk about that for a minute. It's a scriptural concern, right? Because the fact is that, that signs must be discerned and interpreted and evaluated. It's not, uh, as they say, that like the data does not speak for itself. So that's a phrase people use sometimes. Oh, the data speaks for itself. The data does not speak for itself. It has to be interpreted. And so that means I have to interpret, interpret signs. We saw the example where David is in the cave with his men and Saul enters the cave. The men said, kill him. God has put him into your hands. And David said, no, that's, uh, it's not for me to kill God's anointed. So they interpret the data differently. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. This happens. Do not listen to the words of the prophets. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. And this was the situation in Jeremiah's day. Jeremiah says this a few times. They're speaking visions from their own brains, not God's. A hungry man dreams he is eating and awakes with his hunger not satisfied. Or a thirsty man dreams he is drinking and awakes faint with his thirst not quenched. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. So a sign can happen as promised, as predicted, right? But the message contradicts God's word. And God used signs. John relates these a lot. To, so that we might believe that God is with Jesus right? that we, and we might believe in him. But it's possible that this will happen too. And scripture warns us of that. <clears throat> this vision <clears throat> uh, can be from our own desires. Right? We, we, we see something, we think something, we dream something. And that dream might just reflect the, 
me dealing with the problems of my day or the anxieties of my day. Most of my dreams are these anxious dreams and the scenario is different, um, but they reflect something I am concerned about. A lot of people dream that way because at night we're just working through some of the things we didn't solve during the day. It's just that our minds are a little freer and, and it, it may just be uh, just seem a little crazier, but it, but the, the emotions are, are my anxieties or the, the dream is my wish fulfillment. This is something I want. And so I, I might play it out in a dream. You know, what if my interpretation of dreams or interpretation of signs is just wish fulfillment? That can happen. And signs can be, evidently, signs can be designed to deceive, and that will be one of the challenges in the, or at the very end. Right? But we're grateful that the elect will not be deceived. So the Bible doesn't really give, give guidance on how to interpret signs, but signs have to be interpreted, right? Except for this one thing, that if you know scripture, uh, you know the moral will of God, then we do know they cannot contradict scripture. That is a, a big help. That is a really big help. But of course, we need to know scripture. So we can see maybe where we're headed with this. And let me just describe some things, some of which you will have heard about this, this term cognitive bias. Okay, cognitive re- refers to our thinking, that we are biased in our, our thinking. Um, <clears throat> so the definition of cognitive bias is a, a systematic error in thinking. I regularly make this kind of error. It's part of my thinking. A systematic error in thinking that affects the decisions people make. And it's often, uh, uh, this isn't, well, is these kind of shortcuts in how I think about things um, are often a result of our brain's attempt to simplify things uh, or to to avoid discomfort. Okay, so there's some obvious examples where we might stereotype or generalize and say, okay, well, oh, those kind of people are this. Okay, that's a shortcut, and uh, and it our brain. Uh, it's just taking a shortcut just to be efficient. Okay. And, and we know often sometimes that's true and sometimes that's uh, not true. Old people don't like to drive in the dark, right? Well, that may be largely true, but it's not always true, right? It's kind of a shortcut. Um, another sort of a bu- gam- uh, bias, gambler's bias, like I'm due. You know, I'm pulling the slot machine. I haven't won much, uh, but I'm due. Well, the next pull of the slot machine is independent of the previous polls. That's a fact, right? Um, but, but, but people will say this, right? You hear people say these things. Oh, I'm due. Okay. Um, people, you know, when, if I'm overconfident or I'm over optimistic, actually optimism is a, a bias. It's just more fun than pessimism, at least for most of us. So we like to be confident and optimistic. It feels good or, or group things. So these are some common ones, but let me just, let me, uh, just, uh, identify a few uh, that are a little less common. Something called self-attribution bias. Although we see this, the, the phrase may or may not be familiar to you, to you. A person attributes success to himself rather than other factors when things go well. When things go badly, he blames others uh, and external factors, right? We, 
this is, we see this bias. Um, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. Everything Everything I do is pure. Confirmation bias. We tend to listen only to information that confirms our preconceptions or our current beliefs. This is, this is a, a very real thing. I just, I only listen to the radio stations and the read the commentaries that already agree with what I believe. Okay. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. This outcome bias, <clears throat> judging a decision based on the outcome rather than the quality of the thinking process that, that, well, I, you know, I won, I was winning. So it must've, or it, it can't, it did well. Uh, so it must've been a good decision. Well, maybe, or maybe not. That's not how to evaluate that. Okay. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Blind spots, just, this will cover everything, you know, failing to recognize our own biases well, it's easy to see biases in others. Right? That's for sure true. Right? I can't at the moment tell you what my biases are, right? but I know what some of yours are. Right? But you know what mine are. Maybe we should share that information with each other. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not see the log in your own eye? Right? So my point in, into sharing these is <clears throat> there are some modern names for these things, but these flaws in thinking... Um, have been evident for a long time and uh, and and they're in the Bible, although we might give some modern names to them, but this kind of truth comes from scripture because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick or wicked. Who can understand? So this worries me. Now I'm just the kind of person who already questions my own thinking all the time and I'm a sort of a doubter and I just have had to figure out how to live with that. <clears throat> but, but this is part, part of it is that it, scripture does say we, we are weak in our minds and we um, tend towards selfishness and, uh, and our thinking um, can be flawed left to itself and trusting in my own mind. I, I mean, I don't want to be a fool. Um, and, and also, when we see Jesus, um, read through the Gospels, and he does miracles, he gives signs, um, but then people ask for signs, and whatever their motives are, they seem good sometimes and bad sometimes, but, it, but, but Jesus did not come to do signs, uh, per se. And, and Jesus gets frustrated at one point and says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That people came out looking for signs and asking for signs. And then some of the scribes and Pharisees, of course, these guys, you know, answered him saying, teacher, we, we wish to see a sign from you. And, and we know what their motives were. And he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So he's, I'm done doing signs for you. He was sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, sometimes, they got to a point where he was critical of those who asked. So I just <clears throat> want to evaluate everything up to this point and like what makes sense, what makes sense to me. We see these in scripture. And, and so I think, you know, I conclude that 
that signs can be legitimate. Maybe I should have said can be legitimate, right? But I think they are nuanced right? as a tool for knowing God's will, right? And I, and I think they often are inconclusive, and we cannot be dependent upon them. I, I think it's okay to ask, but we cannot become depend. We can't be dependent. And in the end, we have to interpret anyway. And that knowledge of scripture is necessary to evaluate signs. Really, that's the best tool, maybe the only solid tool that we have, uh, because some things about God's will are revealed plainly to us in his moral law, what he says is right and wrong and what he wants us to do. So, so we should test signs. Remember what Paul said is, don't despise prophecy, but test everything. So if, <clears throat> if this is part of our decision-making to test signs, do they conflict with scripture? Does the interpretation make sense? Now, I, I may need to... Um, to talk to others, other godly people, to ask, this is what I'm thinking about, and this is what I saw. Does this make sense to you? It doesn't make sense. Um, and, and not to become over-reliant on things. Okay. So that's at least at this point. Okay, so I'm not finished here today, and we have one more week. But at this point... Um, but here, here, um, you know what? In the end, we are still left to make a decision. Even with this kind of information, we still have to decide. The sign doesn't make a decision for us. We still have to interpret, and then we need to decide. I think the Apostle Paul, um, he received a lot of guidance. To take him as an example. Um, and when Paul had seen the vision, okay, so this is, he's, he's, uh, in Asia Minor and had seen the vision of the Macedonian man. Um, Paul says that he uses this language, a door was opened for me. And this is language we use. We, we will talk about closed doors, although that's not language Paul used. A door was opened for me in the Lord. My spirit was not at rest because. So Paul talks about a restless spirit or not being at peace. So I, so I guess we could use these things. Um, but nonetheless, Paul had to think that Paul thought best and, and Paul had decided, and I made up my mind. Uh, and if it seems advisable, if it seems like this would be good advice, advisable. <clears throat> so Paul, it looks like Paul took signs. He did not despise prophecies, but he, somehow integrated him into his decision-making. In the end, he had to make a decision. Do I follow that Macedonian man's direction, or, or do I try to push my way into Asia or stay in Asia or just go home? I have to make a decision. And so we, we often have choice within God's will. Okay? And I, I want, so I want to make an emphasis on this. That there, this other information could be legitimate. I have to, I, but I still have to make a decision. I have to interpret this other information. Is it meant to guide me or not? Or is it misleading? Or is it my own wish fulfillment? Uh, but in the end, whatever, um, I have to make a decision. But I, I find it, you know, as I was studying this, 
Um, um, I find in scripture many times God's leaving the choice up to me. Now, this is an important example. Um, oh, I'm sorry, my next slide would be an important example of this. But, but we see a number of, I think, I think we can understand these verses this way, um, that, that often God will give us options, but within certain boundaries. So, uh, and the Lord commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. You can eat, you, you can eat from all of these, okay? but not from this one. Okay, so you see there's a boundary. You can eat of every tree, but not of this one. So for breakfast this morning, if you want this, uh, be like, I'm not telling you which tree to eat from and lunch and dinner. And you, you can eat from everyone. You're, he's not going to eat from all of them. At, so maybe things begin that way. Paul says that, that all things are lawful, but not all are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. So there's, there's a whole lot that is okay. But choose the things that, among them, choose the things that are helpful and that build one another up. Right? So you, you're going to have to make a choice here according to some criteria. We, we know that there is a, a lot of scripture that talks about what pleases God and what displeases him. Uh, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Look, you decide. <clears throat> and I, and I, <clears throat> you know, should I tithe? Should I give 10% of my income uh, before taxes or after taxes are taken out? Um, should, you know, that's a whole discussion. Um, but here Paul says, <clears throat> you decide. You must give as you've decided in your heart. But not, I don't want to see reluctance. I want to see cheerfulness. That's the, that's the criteria. Give as much as you can be cheerful about. And whatever you do, in word or deed, or do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, 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 do something. But do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So let me use a big example. Um, many of us here would have, at some point in our life, agonized <clears throat> over the decision about marriage. Right? Should I get married? Who should I marry? Right? This week, someone said to me, "Well, he, you know, asked me out on a date, and and I'm not that interested in him. But what if he's the one? And I don't want to miss the one." Can you hear kind of the agony in that? And that's part of this discussion is, is, is if we have this idea that there is one, there is one job for me, there's one person for me, there's one church for me, there's one, I don't know, one path for my life, there's one bagel for me, there's, there's that, I mean, when do we stop between making a decision about breakfast or who should I marry? Where in the middle we say, oh, I don't need to worry about that, that God has a path for my life. Um, but so I want to take this, I think, extreme example in, from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. There are two questions addressed there. Should I marry or and who should I marry? If anyone thinks that he is not 
behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let him marry. It is no sin, right? So should I marry or not marry? Doesn't God have an opinion on that? Doesn't he have a will for my life in that? I guess not. If he thinks, if he thinks that, you know, maybe he, he, it would be better for him to marry, then marry. If not, then don't marry. Think. Um, so if I thought I should marry, but so who should I marry? Lord, who should I marry? <clears throat> who is that one person that God has for me? And I, and is if maybe I found somebody and I remember, uh, over 36 years ago, agonizing over this Lord is Rita, the right is Rita, the one for me. Should I marry her? Right. But here, Paul is talking about, um, a woman who has lost her husband to death. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to be married to whomever she wishes only in the Lord. So there's a boundary to this that comes from God's moral will, right? She is free to be married to whomever she wishes. If you would like to be married again, then okay, just marry a believer. Uh, you pick them. I mean, there's so many guys out there. You pick them. That it, it appears to me that that's on this important issue. That's how God thinks about it. That there's freedom of choice within God's moral will. And if, uh, if this decision of marriage is like this, then how many other things in life are like this? We might ask, like, why does God make this so hard? How about the rocks? I would, I'll have six rocks in my bag. But and I, and there's a reason. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives, gives thought to his steps. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. He will show you a path to go. And, uh, and here's what, how I answer this question. Why does he make this so hard? <clears throat> if, uh, if we had a good father, if we had a wise father, then when you're a little kid, <clears throat> you ask, can I have uh, some ice cream? And then the father will say yes or no, because it's either good, wise or not wise at this point to have ice cream right before dinner or late at night or whatever, right? Whatever the criteria is. But as you're growing up, your parents left more decisions to you. And my daughter, who's just obedient and everything, uh, she's 12 or something and asking me, can I have some ice cream? I'm like, I'm not answering that question anymore. You decide. And we have to raise our kids that way. We have to raise our kids to think for themselves. This is how they mature. This is how they learn to make good decisions because when I'm not around to, to make all your decisions, you need to know how to make decisions. 
we have to we have to be be willing to to search and make an effort um we have to learn how to think about these things and 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 not lean on our own understanding not be so trusting of our own minds but and we'll get into more that more next week how to do it but to acknowledge him and then make decisions It's hard growing up. <clears throat> what does God really want? If he, if he doesn't, I'm going to say this really loosely, right? If he doesn't care who I marry, he does care. But if he's not telling me who I should marry, instead he's leaving that choice up to me, or what school I should go to, or what job I should take, these are pretty big decisions. <clears throat> what, what does he care about? What does God really want? And, and, in terms of his will for my life. What is God's will for my life, at least in the, like the biggest picture? <clears throat> for, he, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. This is what he wants. He wants it so much that it's destiny for us, that when we see him, we will become like him. He wants this and he, so much that this is what will happen in the end if we know the Lord Jesus as our Savior. And he wants us to be doing this now. So make decisions, but keep this in mind. This is top priority. As you make decisions, make your decisions based upon this. Relatedly, for this is the will of God. Oh, what's coming next? Your sanctification, that you become more godly, you become more like his son. That's the will of God. Should you do this or that today? Be more like my son. Make this decision based upon that criteria. Which of these schools will help you become more like my son? Which of these spouses will help you become more like my son? And you choose. He may know the answer to that question. I'm sure he does, but he's letting us choose. That's part of our growth. That's part of our sanctification. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. He wants us to, to work and to run and to finish. That's what he wants. What, what, what choice helps you to finish better or to finish? The true worship, worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him i want you to worship me that's what i want and so make choices in your life towards that towards all of these and there's more and and i i think when you know finish the race paul is talking there about what he's been gifted to do and as to preach the gospel so he also what does he want he wants us to do according to his gifts for us. That's what he wants. Now, whether you teach here or there or this group or that group, I want you to teach because I've gifted you that way or something, whatever your gift is. That would be a big clue. How have you been gifted to answer the question, well, what do you want me to do? What should, what should I do? Well, how has God gifted you? so we'll conclude with this and we'll pick this up next time is the answer to this difficulty is wisdom.
since maybe signs can be helpful to me. Certainly circumstances may define, will define my choices. Is there something I could read into them from God? Maybe that's true. I don't deny that. And I, and I've seen it. I've seen God control the circumstances in my life to make certain things happen. But in the end, I have to interpret those and um, figure out how to apply them. And how do I do that? And I have to make decisions. How do I do that? And the answer is going to be wisdom. And the definition of wisdom, uh, there are maybe many, but this, I think, works pretty well. The ability to understand God's word and to skillfully apply that understanding to life. That's wisdom. Understanding God, knowing God through his word. Uh, I mean, I may get other information from others about God, but, but I have to I have to judge that. Um, understanding God's word, getting to know him, understand he's my father, understand how he thinks, and then to apply that. Not stop there, but apply that to life. Do more with that next week. <clears throat> Lord God, um, all of us here seek to know you better. We want to understand you. We want to understand your word. Um, we want to understand uh, how you think about things, what you think about things. Lord, a- as we walk through this life, we want to serve you and worship you. We want to make the most of our lives for the kingdom of God and for you. We want to please you. We want to be, uh, we want to hear words from you of affirmation that we've, we've been a good servant. We, Lord, we appreciate that we are not just servants, but sons and daughters, your children, uh, Lord, uh, because you love us so much. Um, so Lord, help us, help us to grow in you, uh, grow in holiness and our knowledge of you. Uh, amen. <clears throat>